Hello folks, it's Victoria. This is the day after we recorded. I can tell you that we had some technical difficulties recording this one. Uh, Discord wouldn't cooperate. Uh, it was noise gating uh, some of our audio and we had trouble hearing each other. So this episode, I kind of really had to make it work in the editing room. So if you hear echoing or if you hear some weird cuts, uh, that's what that is. We still really think the episode's nice talking about week one of college football with our friend Athena. So yeah, hope you enjoy the episode. I think the tuck rule is, is a crock personally. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Too bad you guys screwed that tuck rule up. That one doesn't count. Huh? Huh? Plays over with. Come on now. You never get over that. That'll be ever. He's scarred forever. That'll be on his headstone. Hey friends, it's the Tuck Rule, the world's only football podcast for goth bitches. I'm Victoria. I'm joined as always by future UConn head coach Katie. Say what's up, Katie. What's up, Katie? And Joining us this week to help us break down week one of college football is our good friend, noted Georgia fan, Athena. What's up, Athena? Just getting emotionally invested in another Georgia football season, so not much. When has that ever gone wrong for you? Uh, never. I was born last week. (laughs) Nice. Sick. Um... (laughs) So, uh, we brought you on because Georgia had kind of a big game this week, huh? They did, and they somehow won it. I was about to say, like, um, when when we scheduled you being on this week, I was like, well, either they're going to lose, and that'll be good content, or they'll win, and you'll be, like, on the moon, and that'll be good content. After Georgia 10, Clemson 3, <laughs> like, there's definitely really positive, like... I think watching that game, you have to be, like, thrilled about Georgia's defense, obviously. I don't think I've ever seen a college defense, like, just smother a, like, blue-chip offense, hypothetically, right? Like, we all think that Clemson's going to be one of the best, like, six teams in the country. I think that's pretty undisputable. Uh, And they just absolutely smothered them. But um, the offense was, um, well, Georgia got 10 points, and they didn't score an offensive touchdown, so maybe that tells you a thing or two. But, um, Athena, I just want to tee you off here. You beat Clemson by seven points. How are you feeling? Okay. I do want to say that I did, in both of y'all's DMs, say that I thought we were going to get our asses kicked. And um, I think our offensive performance is what I was afraid of. But the defense, like Victoria said, is really fucking good. So I do feel great about that. I, yeah, just, I'm not sure if I've ever seen, like, a defensive line just, like, swallow. And, like, Clemson's offensive line, despite them being, like, a big program, it's not like they're sending, like, dudes to the league. This past year, uh, I think Jackson Carmen was, like, a second-round pick, and that's, like, the highest lineman they've had taken. Even though, like, Clemson's offensive line isn't, isn't, like, necessarily considered to be, like, the best, they still just completely handled them, and I, I think you have to feel, like, pretty great about that going forward. Absolutely. And there, I think Clemson's starting center was out. And there was a quote from Dabo earlier in the week where he was like, yeah, we're just going to roll somebody out there and get it started. Oh, God. I I totally forgot about that quote. Um, didn't he say that he was going to, like, rotate centers or something fucking ridiculous like that? He did. I don't know if they actually did it. I, just, I cannot think... 
of a single position in football other than maybe quarterback that you should rotate less than you should rotate your center? Like, Abs- yeah. Like, it throws your rhythm off yeah. as a quarterback, for one. And as a center, you can't... As a center, you need consistency, and that's the opposite of consistency. So, yeah, that's a really stupid idea. Oh, boy, Clemson, what are you doing? Yeah, so, um... Georgia's offense, though, huh? Um, Athena, what's the vibe on JT Daniels currently? And maybe just the offense in general. I still think JT Daniels is gonna be good this year. And I know it's... The excuse is that we have all our receivers hurt, which is true. But uh, he didn't look great. And it might be... You know, it's week one. It's still the weird COVID time. But there were some not great decisions, like the interception, and then when we were down on the goal line before kicking the field goal, on third and goal, he like threw into double coverage in the end zone, which is not ideal, or so I'm told. Many have said that that's not exactly what you want to do as the quarterback of an SEC program. Um, But, like... I think that Georgia missing weapons on offense is, like, a valid reason for why things didn't look good. Like, um, they're also missing, uh, it was a tight end that transferred, right? Do I have that right? Eric Gilbert. Uh, Missing those guys, um, I don't know. JT Daniels, it it didn't seem like they asked him to do much, which is, I think, maybe the bigger concern. You want to see Georgia's offense look modern if they're going to actually, like, do this thing. And, uh, I mean, I picked them to win the natty for some godforsaken reason um <laughs> so uh i would really like to see that offense turn around it's not like i have money on him or anything although i did manage to convince one of my friends to bet georgia for the national championship because i'm a bad friend um <laughs> oh god victoria really <laughs> listen he did he mm, he didn't bet that much um but vibe check what are your expectations for georgia going forward this season are you thinking playoff birth you thinking uh, a return to the national championship game, or uh, are we thinking maybe a, a couple losses lurking down the road? Okay, so emotionally, I like to believe that we're going to lose a game, so I'm not disappointed when it happens, but uh, I think this is a playoff team this year. I think so, too. Like, I feel like we almost undersold the defense, even. Like... I'm, it's just they absolutely oh, yeah, like swallowed pat- Clemson. Yeah, I think Spencer Hall said it looked like um, a bunch of dogs chasing a tennis ball. That's how he, yeah. he described their pass rush. Which yeah. yeah. Good God! I mean, God, like they have so many dudes on defense. I think it'll be interesting to see if they do end up meeting in the SEC championship game. Like I think most people would assume that they are. I would be fascinated to see how that defense lines up against Alabama's, like, awesome offense. Yeah. But I'm less sure of the Georgia offense now than I was last week. Mm-hmm. So um, I think that'll be a fun test for them. How would you compare your current emotional investment in Georgia to, like, was it 2017 when they made the national title or 2018? I can't remember. Either way, um, how would you compare your feelings now to then? I would say I definitely have more expectations at the start of the year than I did that year. I don't know. I think this is a really good team, and I'm going to be emotionally devastated if they don't make the playoffs, at least. 
I feel like that's very reasonable. Um, so, Georgia Clemson, I think, were, was sort of the headline game of week one. Um, it, but there was, there was like, quite a lot to talk about. Like, honestly, way more than I thought there would be to talk about from this week. Uh, I thought that we might focus on Georgia Clemson a little bit longer, but then it ended up being the kind of game it was where it's just, yeah, like, there were 13 points. Um, and, hey, Georgia's defense looked great. But there are lots of other games to talk about. Uh, and just starting off in roughly chronological order, I think we're going to probably mess that up later on. But uh, I'm sure that we all thought that Virginia Tech was definitely going to be North Carolina. Um, I think I'll throw discussion of this one to Katie. What the hell's up with North Carolina? Um, well, I mean, it's like I said in the preseason episode. Like, yeah, you have Sam Howell. Yeah, you got Tennessee transfer Ty Chandler, but you don't have anyone else. And they did get a little production from the passing game in terms of, I can't remember who it was, but I think they caught for like 130 yards, and it was the only touchdown, I think, that North Carolina scored that game. But North Carolina's offensive line is just genuinely terrible. Like, they gave up six sacks, um, and a lot of those came... You can tell Virginia Tech really was looking ahead for this game because you had a lot of really... You had a lot of stunts, a lot of twists, a lot of delayed blitzes that really seemed to confuse Sam Howell. Um, I don't think it's the... I don't think it's a coincidence that the only touchdown that they got was um, a little tunnel screen to one of the yeah. slot receivers. Um, I don't want to say that Sam Howell looked like the second best quarterback in the game because, um, you know, he did have some good throws. I'm not saying they didn't, but, like, I think Virginia Tech's quarterback, um, I think Virginia Tech's quarterback was, like, 8 of 9 to start the game, and the only one was a drop. If you're North Carolina, obviously you have to be really disappointed because that's just... It's Virginia Tech and Blacksburg, but you should not have lost that game. And, I mean, that's what happens when you take North Carolina preseason top 10, so... Yeah, yeah. There you go. Like, I feel like roping this game in with the Georgia-Clemson game and the Alabama-Miami game, which I think we're probably barely going to talk about, yeah, Bama's really good. I don't think anyone's surprised by that. Not a good showing for the top end of the ACC, like, at all. Really, really kind of a rough week one. Um... Looking at their conference standings right now is very funny. <laughs> I haven't looked at their conference standings yet. Um, I'm assuming it's something stupid like Pitt is like the top team in the conference, which, you know, that, that's fun. Um, but I actually think Miami is not... They're not unredeemable. I didn't even think that they played that badly. It's just Alabama's that good, so... I still kind of am on the Miami train a little bit when it comes to the conference title picture, but no, that the the league the league took a beating. It definitely took a beating. So I think uh, onwards to games that were a little more fun. Uh, UCLA beat the tar out of LSU. I don't think I certainly did not. I certainly did not think that was going to happen. I guess I haven't had the most confidence that, like, Chip Kelly was actually going to put it together here. But, oh boy, UCLA just totally dominated LSU, uh, and I'll throw that to Athena. Yeah, um, I definitely didn't expect this. I watched some of the Week Zero game between UCLA and Hawaii, and Hawaii's terrible, yeah, but DTR didn't look great last week, but he he got it done this week. 
DTR is, I think, like one of the most like chaotic good quarterbacks that I can possibly think of in college football. Like he is responsible for some of the most like deranged in a positive way box scores that I've ever seen. And this week he went nine for sixteen for two hundred and sixty yards, three touchdowns and one <laughs> interception. Good God. Like that's just that that's perfect. That running back they have, Charbonnet, is pretty good. And I'd hate to be a power five team who's desperately trying to get it done this year and have him transfer away michigan (laughs) (laughs) tough they really held him back at michigan so yeah (laughs) i'm honestly shocked that like michigan offense uh made players look maybe not as good as they actually were but I feel like I I personally want to talk about the video that came out before the game of of Ed Orgeron uh, threatening to to fight oh God. a UCLA fan. I think I think you could call that a threat, mocking them for their sissy blue shirt. Which I don't know. I don't oh really. God. I I'm not really sure if I would call UCLA blue particularly sissy. UCLA got to clown on them really hard after the game, and I think that. I, you know, power to them. UCLA has to go to LSU in two years, and I have a feeling that that game is going to be a little spicier than maybe we thought. What a culture clash. LSU, or, yeah, just, like, oh, yeah. LSU and, like, Los Angeles people. Like, that is that is a, like, perfect culture <laughs> clash. Okay. Uh, Big Ten time. I know that's everyone's favorite part of every week of college football is watching whatever pig slop that the Big Ten is putting on your television. Penn State 16, Wisconsin 10. Graham Ertz sure looked bad, didn't he? Uh, yeah, I think... I'm trying to remember the exact stat line. I think he was, like, 22 of 37, but, like... I think he was under 200 yards, if I'm not mistaken. Like, or actually, he may have been under 250. I can't remember, but... The weird thing about this game was... I thought Wisconsin looked like the better team. I just do. Like... I mean, it is a little bit, it's like, it's a little bit like trying to distinguish between two piles of shit, but, um, yeah, the offense for Wisconsin looked just, they looked just that little bit better. Like, you could tell that Wisconsin got a little more push up front. Um, but in the second half, uh, Jahan Dotson absolutely obliterated Wisconsin's coverage and ended up giving Penn State a win that I didn't expect them to have and will probably validate Sean Clifford way more than it should. The other, like, ranked Big Ten matchup this week was Iowa 34, Indiana 6. I definitely did not see that coming. I thought that Indiana would at least make it interesting. No. Uh, and I guess my question is to both of you, should I care at all about what's happening in the Big Ten? Like, is this indicative of... Of, of, like, Iowa maybe being the second-best team in the conference or of Penn State, like, having one of their, like, good Penn State years? Or is this just the Big Ten being weird? I mean, I'm not going to care about the Big Ten, but that's because I, I don't want good things for Kirk Ferentz. I don't know anyone who does want good that's things true. for Kirk Ferentz, other than, like, his immediate family, probably. Apparently the university president. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, boy. Iowa... I have a bad feeling that, like, this is going to be one of those Iowa years where, like, they end up winning 10 games and you're going to see them in, in, in Indianapolis. But, hey, uh, at least Ohio State will have the decency to probably blow the doors off. Big Ten, don't want to talk about you anymore. And I think the last big game that we wanted to talk about here was Notre Dame 41, Florida State 38. 
until the very end, I didn't think it was that interesting. And then Mackenzie no. Milton... It got really interesting. Yeah, and, uh-huh. like, Mackenzie Milton came out of nowhere, and, like, holy shit. Um, I don't even know if I have a question about this, just... Mackenzie Milton's back on a football field, and that's kind of nuts. Yeah. The thing I... I thought it was actually kind of surprising that they named Jordan Travis the starter before the game because I'd watched him play last year and I thought, I mean, if you gave him something, he'd probably be okay, but I've watched Mackenzie Milton play before and think, oh, shit, this guy's really fucking good. So I was surprised when they didn't start him. I guess, you know, they wanted to ease him back in, but he ends up making Florida State's offense just look so more devastating, just... They just had more ways to attack you when he was on the field, and they ended up coming back and pushing Notre Dame into overtime. Um, It's also really funny, too, that Florida State lost on a Bobby Bowden tribute game um, with a wide left field goal. That that just... Dear God. Perfect. Man, ugh. (laughs) I didn't even think about that until just now. That's... Huh. It was it was really something to see like Florida State run like read option plays with Mackenzie Milton. Like they seem very confident in just like his ability to move and his ability to create for them. And I wonder if they're going to stick with him going forward cuz it really it really seemed like it really seemed like he was comfortable out there. Definitely. Yeah, like I could not have less feelings about Florida State football at all. It's I'm I'm honestly yeah. kind of mad that like he's there and that as long as he's there, I have to be like, well yeah, I mean I want him to succeed, so that means that I need the Knowles to succeed. Like I hate that. I don't want to think about Florida State ever. So with the big games with ranked teams that are gonna maybe compete to win their conference behind us, we're moving into what I have deemed the uh oh zone of just Results that you look at and are just spell grim things uh, for the future of these uh, football programs and maybe might show that these head coaches are living on borrowed time. I think I want to start with the one that I look at and just immediately uh, cringe at hardest, which is Northern Illinois 22, Georgia Tech 21. This is year three now for, oh God, what's it? Je- yeah, Jeff, Jeff Collins. Jeff, Jeff Collins. There we go. For whatever reason, I was like, Jeff? No? Yes, Jeff. Year three for Jeff Collins at Georgia Tech. I just want to throw this to you, Athena. What What on earth is going on here? I don't know. And I will admit that I do take a lot of pleasure in Georgia Tech's suffering. And Georgia's going to beat them by, like, 60 in oh, Atlanta. Okay. So I went back and, look, and looked at our... Um, season preview show notes which um there's a lot of them i looked at the conference preseason media polls um this one is even worse than you think it is because northern illinois was picked last in their division in the mac so that's what georgia tech lost to (laughs) oh my god wow yeah that is even worse than i thought it would be that's yeah northern illinois is like not exactly uh, like oh man like this is not Jordan Lynch playing in a, like, BCS Bowl, Northern Illinois. That really puts it in perspective. Good no. lord. Didn't they go winless last year? Um, that's a great question. I feel like every MAC team played, like, four games. 
So, you could tell me literally anything about the 2020 Mac, and I would probably believe you. So, I think the next really, like, uh, just you look at this score, and you probably didn't watch the game, but definitely just not a good sign. South Dakota State 42, Colorado State 23. South Dakota State is a very good FCS program, but still, I feel like Colorado State should maybe uh, not lose by three scores to an FCS program. Oh, gosh. Well, um, so I didn't watch this game. Uh, just full disclosure. Um, I read about some of the pregame notes, and Colorado State was talking themselves up pretty big prior to this game. They thought, you know, the defense can be good. They thought with the Dazio, they can play some tough physical football. That didn't happen. And given what I know about Steve Adazio's offense, which is... Nothing good. They love the dive and... Yeah, like they love the dive. It's the most, it's the most um, vanilla ass offense in the history of humanity. Um, it's cold. It's rainy, and you have to watch that for three hours. And you have to watch your team get pummeled against South Dakota State, who, like you said, um, very good FCS program. I believe they were in the national title game in the spring season. But I, I saw a stat. I think Adazio is one in five so far, and he's lost five of the those six games by at least 12 points like that's that's what colorado state's having to deal with i think we're ready to move on to the anti-vax zone utah state 26 washington state 23 is that good Uh oh nick rolovich (laughs) oh man i i cannot think of a single hire that i was more excited about when it happened and has just immediately gone to shit faster than everything that's happening with nick rolovich nick rolovich at washington state um, good God. Yeah, this is a result I was really excited about because I, I live in Jonesboro and I would do anything for Blake Anderson. So, and for it to come at the expense of Nick Rolovich is even sweeter. Incredible. Oh, gosh. Nick Rolovich, not only trying to, like, crack down on his players for trying to stand up for themselves last year, but just... Being maybe, uh-huh. just being maybe like the most obnoxiously anti-vax head coach that I can think of. Just awful. Yeah. Uh, and as long as we're talking about I, terrible vibes, UConn. I, I don't even, oh like, uh, Katie in our show doc didn't even put down UConn losing by 10 points to Holy Cross. It's just UConn's football program. You are now in the uh-oh zone. Yeah. I would love for you to talk about that more, Katie. Oh gosh. Well, um, first of all, I, I'm I'm pleased to announce that I will be taking the job at UConn. So there you go. Um, but so excited for you. <laughs> uh, I'm not, but you know, hey. Uh, but I can't emphasize enough, like how bad this is. Like Holy Cross played four games. They went three and one. They got, I think, absolutely demolished in the FCS playoffs by. Uh, South Dakota State, actually. So, good segue. Um, but they they got outgained by over 100 yards, and UConn was a minus three in turnover margin. Like, it was it was unholy bad. Um, and Unholy cross bad, you might say. <laughs> I'm going to kick your ass, Victoria. I swear to God. <laughs> That's fair. That's um, okay. And then there was the video during the game that was like, uh, Randy Edsel, like, raising his hand up like coaches do to, like, say, you know, on three, one, two, three, let's go, or something like that. Um, and literally none of his players raised their hand. He was, like, he was totally alone. And I think Victoria said it pre-show, but um, she's never felt 
sorry like that for a head coach or yeah yeah like it takes a lot for me to like feel bad for especially like a college football coach because i feel like so many of them are just like i don't know i don't want to be slanderous here they're genuinely terrible people like like let's just be honest yeah randy edsel like that man coached this same team to a fiesta bowl like straight up like yep against fiesta bowl game participant Yep. Randy Edsel. It, it didn't go well, but he got him there, and now they're losing by 10 to Holy Cross. And honestly, major respect to him for just after the game being like, well, see ya. I'm out. <laughs> yeah. Um, it was very funny watching him announce retirement at the end of the season, and then like 24 hours later being like, actually, I'm just going to hit the road now, if you guys are cool with that. <laughs> oh, gosh. Good God. Yeah, so I think they're... <sighs> I, I'm not so quick to literally just, like, hop on the death of UConn football because I think, unfortunately, you know, by games, there's a place for those in college football. I mean, New Mexico State is trying the same thing, but they didn't lose by 10 to Holy Cross this weekend, so we don't talk about them much. But it's the same deal. But UConn's problem is is that their foot- nobody in their athletic administration seems to really care all that much i mean they literally just dropped the american like that and went to the big east and i don't blame them for it it's it'll be good for their basketball recruiting the football program i think you have to look at yourself and say is this really what we want to be do we want to just get our shit kicked in by holy cross like i don't think you do and i think at some point you have to consider moving down to fcs or something because they have a lot of natural rivals there that they could play every year and the fans there would probably be more into it so it's a tough situation just like one final impromptu add to the uh-oh zone Oh, gosh. Iowa State played around <laughs> with Northern Iowa uh-huh. and only won by six. Yeah. What's the vibe about your... I mean, Katie, you picked them to win the Natty. Uh-huh. And they messed around with Northern Iowa for uh-huh. 60 minutes. Yeah. What's the vibe? Uh, not great. Um, It should be noted that Iowa State playing FCS teams close, even when they're good, is... It's happened before. Like, I'm not... I'm not saying that, like, it's good. I'm just saying this kind of thing's happened before. Um, I have, in my in my personal notes, I have it. They had no big playability, and I'm just going to chalk this up to looking at Iowa next week and hope to God I'm right, which I probably am not, but dear God. Imagine Georgia and Iowa State's offenses. <laughs> oh, God. Oh boy, Iowa State. Oh boy, Georgia. Just the that game official would... Tuck Rule endorsed national title game is um terrible. I don't know. Absolutely terrible. Would be an just eyesore like upon the... the I'm just gonna say just like how that Alabama LSU natty was so bad it got us the playoff. <laughs> this one's gonna be so bad they're gonna go ahead and expand the playoff. Either that or they're gonna say like nope, uh Playoffs are a mistake. The national title game is a mistake, and we're just going back to when the media just picked a winner every year. That's what's going to happen. We're going to go back. Um, It's going to set football back to the 90s. So uh, the last segment of this week's college football review is, um, I guess, my experience of watching college football might be a little bit different than most because I work every Saturday afternoon. 
So I can usually watch like one or two big games. I'll typically uh, on Sunday morning before the NFL slate, I will try and watch what I can of the games that I want to see like parts of. But some games I experience entirely through the ESPN app. And all three of these games brought me great joy just in terms of going through the team stats after the game, the box scores, and just like gawking and having absolutely no idea what's going on. So this is Victoria's Scoreboard Corner. I could not think of a better way to start this off than Presbyterian 84, St. Andrews 43. Presbyterian hired Kevin Kelly, which is the no-punt high school coach from Arkansas, who never punts, and he usually goes for onside kicks. He, he absolutely does not care about field position, which I think is admirable. Granted, 84 points against St. Andrews, which is apparently a Presbyterian NAIA school with 600 students. So basically a high school, but uh, still 84 points. Katie, why don't you talk about how fucking wild that is? Uh, well, the problem with this game was it was on ESPN+, and I'm not paying for that, but I do know a little bit about Kevin Kelly's offense, and I did get to watch some of the, like, touchdown passes, which... There were 10 of Actually, there were 11 of them. I, I believe um, I believe there was another quarterback who tossed one or two, if I'm not mistaken. So it's 11 or 12 touchdown passes, um, which In that FCS obviously... record. Yes. Wow. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, it, actually, they broke the old Satellite Express uh, record from 1984, which if you're not m- familiar with that... Um, that's Mississippi Valley State uh, quarterback Willie Totten and some wide receiver you might have heard of by the name of Jerry Rice. Um, that's what never Presby- heard of him. <laughs> oh gosh, but that's what Presbyterian did. And Kevin Kelly's theory is basically, at some point, um, your win, and, and the stats nerds are going to love this. Your win expectancy is a lot greater if you just go forward on fourth down no matter where you're at on the field, unless, like, I think the only place where it would be worth it just to punt would be, like, when you're really deep, but I don't even think he does that. Um, his theory is basically you have this win expectancy that always, that you'll lose a lot of these, but you will definitely increase your win expectancy quite a bit. Um, what's really going to be funny is Presbyterian plays in the Pioneer League, which, um, if you're not familiar with that uh it's a non-scholarship league everyone's kind of roughly there at the same talent level um and that's another complication i think that presbyterian might have going forward is that when you're with a team of a similar talent level you do probably need to play a little bit more conservatively um i hope they don't but these box scores will just be eye-popping the whole entire year and that's why it's going to be super fun to see how they do. The next game that I look at and I look at the stats and I just don't understand how on earth this happened is Montana 13, Washington 7. Montana, pretty solid FCS football program, but they had 10 first downs. They gained 232 yards and they went 2 for 13 on third down and they beat a Pac-12 team. Athena, what the fuck happened here? I have no idea because... I didn't watch this game because it was allegedly on some channel called the Pac-12 Network. Not real. Not real. Yeah, that doesn't exist. Yeah, it's not good. Not good to be number 20 in the nation and lose at home like this. 
Oh gosh. Yeah. Oh, gosh, just I do uh, ten first downs. Like yeah. what? What on earth is happening there? Well, How, I, I j just don't understand. Well, I think it's really weird because my notes on this game were Washington didn't get a good put. Like their offensive line in general just couldn't move against Montana. And they're a top 20 team, or were. Like, uh, let's see here. Washington had 2.4. So, Washington had a really good first drive. Uh, it was a 9-play, 78-yard TD drive. Uh, and then they didn't score the rest of the game. That seems inoptimal if you want to beat the FCS team that you scheduled in week one. I agree. I agree. Also, it's probably not yeah, great. Yeah, I was not a coach, so what do I know? I mean, I'm not either, but whatever. East Tennessee State, 23, <laughs> Vanderbilt, 3. <laughs> what the fuck happened here? Oh, God. <laughs> how does this happen? How How does an SEC team lose to East Tennessee State by 20 points? I feel like I'm going insane. Um... <laughs> Okay, so there are no highlights of this game. There are no extended highlights, I should say. The big thing was uh, the quarterback for Vanderbilt, Ken Seals, he, he, he tried to throw a pass, and it literally just slipped out of his hand, and the East Tennessee State guy just literally was right there to catch it and score a, score a scoop and score a touchdown. That, that's, that was the kind of night that uh, Vanderbilt had, and... Uh, Personally speaking, as a noted Vanderbilt hater, uh, I'm very happy about that. So, good job, Bucks, my almost alma mater. Hating on Vanderbilt is like hating on a child. Like I, I, I like don't understand the appeal. Like, uh, well, you don't have to deal with them, okay? Like, that's like, very true. There, there are like twelve of them, right? So there are not many, but they are by far and away. The most annoying fans in the SEC per capita. Like, just... Mm. That's impressive. Like <laughs> It really is. Like, I do not live anywhere near a place where there are a lot of, like, Vanderbilt graduates. I do know that they're, like, the annoying private school rich kids. Which, class warfare, yeah, fuck Vanderbilt. You're losing to... And East Tennessee State isn't even, like, a good FCS No, team. well... Like... I think they finished. Or like, uh, yeah, they're like, they're like they're okay, but they're not like great. Okay, so this was Clark Lee's first game as Vanderbilt's head coach, and there is a screenshot of him on the sideline, and he just looks like the most miserable man on planet Earth. Oh God, that's Nirvana. It's it's just it's ambrosia. Okay, that's what that's what we're dealing with here with me and Vanderbilt. That that just he chose to be here. Yes, he, he chose did. to be here. Yeah, he did. He was this... Notre Dame's defensive coordinator last year. You could easily just say no, but no, he wanted to go to Vanderbilt. Yeah, he goes from the playoffs to this. Uh huh. <sighs> Vanderbilt's going to the playoff. I don't know why you would suggest that they aren't. Um. Everyone remembers when I picked Vanderbilt to win the national championship in episode three of the Tuck Rule. Yeah, I I clearly. Yeah, I was going to say, I clearly remember that. This is gaslighting. <laughs> Week one of college football, there were a whole lot of upsets, a whole lot of weird 
shit. Uh, I just wanted one last quick vibe check, Katie. Mm-hmm. Our beloved Vols. Oh. They beat possibly, possibly the worst FBS team. Uh bottom twenty in the country. Yeah, bottom twenty. I don't bottom think 20. they're the worst, but yeah, bottom twenty. The score looks pretty good. Uh, I did not get to see all of this game, and I just. How do you feel about the Vols right now? Uh, well, we're an underdog against Pitt, which, uh, that's gonna, <laughs> I, I have a, I, I have a special, um, I have a special hatred for Pitt Twitter, just because it's the most annoying part of football Twitter for me, just because they're so annoying, they're just so grating, and if we lose to them, I'm gonna have to go off Twitter for two weeks, but... Uh, the game itself, I mean, there's not really much to say. I mean, their pass rush looked good. Um, we didn't really do a lot on offense. I mean, Joe Milton, who... Joe Milton is Joe Milton, okay? He's the same guy he was at Michigan. He overthrows guys like crazy. He has, he's got a big, strong arm. I mean, there's not... It looked okay at the end, but it was actually kind of touch-and-go in the second quarter, which that's probably not good. But 1-0, and and I think this will probably be the last time all season I'm even moderately okay with Tennessee football, so... Do you have an opportunity to acquire offensive talent from the University of Michigan? Uh, <laughs> you absolutely have to leap at the opportunity. So, uh, week one of college football is in the books. Um, this is probably going to be our only college football dedicated episode for a good while. Obviously, the NFL kicks off this week, so we're going to figure out what format we're going to do for the NFL. Um, we're going to go with what works. Uh, we're going to figure out how to talk about both. In the meantime, you can find us everywhere that you've been able to find us before. I'm at DirtbagQueer on Twitter. Katie, where can the people find you? I am at Kates of Heaven on Twitter. Athena, where can the people find you? I'm at Shield of Palace on Twitter. One, two L's, one S in Palace, which is an it's an epithet for the goddess oh. Athena. Uh, okay. Palace Athena, oh. and it sounds smart. Which you can still find the show account at Tuck Rule Pod on Twitter. We're still not on Apple Podcasts, much to everyone's chagrin, but most of all mine. I'm still deep down in the podcast minds, just having a lot of fun trying to get anything working. You can put us wherever you need us via RSS feed. I'll plug that again on Twitter. Katie, take us home. Colin Klein eats bussy.